Hello, everybody, and welcome to the show. It is going to be a good day for you because you all get to meet my friend, Preston Scott. Well, I'm going to set up the framework before I introduce my friend, Preston. You can go ahead and say hello. Hello, Sharon. Thank you so much for having me today. Thank you so much for being here. I want to tell everybody um, the first time I met Preston was at a Working Women of Tampa Bay event um, when you were with C1 Bank years ago. And you all you did was greet me at the door, say hello, and you were friendly. And I remember going to our mutual friend, Rita. Who is that? He's somebody. Who is that? <laughs> so, and then fast forward, few years go by. I write a book about mental health. We have a conversation. I don't know. Were we at dinner with Colleen or something? His birthday. His yeah. birthday. Colleen is always in the mix somehow. <laughs> Everywhere. 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 So you and me, we start having this chat. And then I think you listened to my book on my podcast, right? Well, I had just actually lost a friend who... Yeah. Um, uh, struggled and dealt throughout his entire life with mental illness and mm -hmm. you uh, expressed your condolences and I said I, I've just heard about your book I've got to get it I had not read it at that point mm -hmm. but I immediately mm -hmm. downloaded it on audible or however it came through and I listened to you read your book and it was it was incredible thank, thank you so much for doing that well, thank you. But the point of bringing that up is, although I do love to talk about my book, um, because I, it has opened up so many great relationships for me, it has opened up um, a wonderful uh, freedom for communication and for vulnerability. And you and I had great conversations since. But um, Preston sent me, um, in, when I was at, Oh my Lord, I'm saying it. So I went on this spiritual retreat after my book came out because I was looking for some healing. <laughs> I needed like an energy clearing. I needed to remove all the toxic people that were in my life. And I went on this um, retreat in a place run by monks. <laughs> and it was fabulous. And Preston texted me that I should watch this YouTube video about um, Johan Hari. And oh my God, now he's like my favorite author ever with Lost Connections and we talk about trauma and he's changed my whole concept. So with that framework started, this is going to be the last you're going to hear of me because I want Preston to talk. I want you to meet Preston. I want you to know Preston. Preston is a leader. But I reached out to Preston right after he had done a little video that he put up on Facebook. Now Preston is not one to put up a video on Facebook. That's number one. So I, as soon as I saw him, I was like, oh, I got to watch this. And I was so moved by your vulnerability and your ability to speak about what's been on your mind during this uh, turmoil through all of this racial unjust um, insanity. But I believe sanity will come through this eventually, through all of the pain as it continues to bubble up. Um, so... Preston, thank you for being on the show. Thank you for being open to having this conversation today. And I really would love to hear from you about that day, your meditation, and how it came to be that you posted that video. 
Certainly. Uh, thank you again, Sharon. And I always say that people will speak if they feel accepted. And you, for sure, are a person who's always made me feel accepted. And um, it's, it's something that I value very much. And I believe that uh, it is a human need to be heard. And I think at this time in our lives, um, although it is, uh, as you mentioned, just in turmoil, it, it's uh, scary, it's um, disappointing, it's sad, it's aggravating, it's, it's angering. This is the time for people to be heard. And I, I think it's a, a blessing to actually be here right now in this time. So um, just to go back to that day, I woke up in the morning and I, I've been trying to do all these new things to like really just have a better, uh, a more centered feeling within myself and really trying to start practicing things to be more authentic in my life. And um, I started doing a little bit of yoga. I bought an expensive yoga mat and all these different <laughs> things during COVID because I was working from home. So it was, um, you know, I had more time with less distractions to think about things. And I'm the guy who thinks about everything but I really wanted to make it productive. So anyway, um, that particular morning, it was all really triggered by um, my dad uh, messaging on our little family chat on Messenger that, you know, to be careful. Um, and I should preface that uh, my parents, thank God, like yours, Sharon, are still married. Mm-hmm. And I, I know that's a, a privilege to have in my mm-hmm. life. And I also have a white mother and a black father. and. I was raised in a very amazing experience, um, full of love and full of compassion and understanding. My family is actually very, very diverse. And I could go into, I could talk about that for 30 minutes by myself, but um, I'm so blessed with that. So anyway, that morning he had, had messaged that. And so I did like a little yoga, a little wake up morning yoga routine. And then I did my 10 minute meditation, which I started these uh, meditations. It's called 21 Days of Guided Meditation. It's on Aptive through Audible. Mm-hmm. And um, that particular day, it was about finding your roots. Mm-hmm. And you all can watch the video if you want. But really, it was about being uh, centered on the ground, getting rooted. And some of the mantras or things that she made you think about was, you know, when's the last time you felt safe? When's the last time you felt uh, loved? When's the last time you felt prosperous? When's the last time you really felt like yourself? And you, in your mind, you go to these places, these moments in time. And it was 10 minutes, but, and at the end of it, you know, you need to like hold your heart and you know, open your eyes. And I was just in tears. And it just really made me think about how fortunate I am in, in many of those areas to have felt those things in my life. And then to be present with the reality that we're living in a world where a country, especially where uh, life is in question, you know, the value of human life based on the color of one's skin. And I, as many, am trying to find out a way that I can make a difference. You know, how can I relate? How can I, I obviously relate, but how can I actually make a, a big difference? What can I do? And the thing I feel most in control of is being able to work on myself. And I sincerely believe that that's where it starts for everybody. So that was my point. And also I had this vision during the meditation because you know, you do kind of drift yes. Yeah. <laughs> and I just had this vision of like, you know, a mass protest where people sat on the ground 
and began to meditate and to think those things in their head. And when you open your eyes, all you want to do is hug somebody because something's missing in everybody or you haven't felt something in a long time. And I thought that that would be so, um, such a beautiful thing. And it would, in many ways, restore peace. And, you know, in this country, this great country that we live in, the United States of America, we cannot forget that the ground that our buildings are built on contains the bones of Native Americans. The buildings that we make our laws in were built by African slaves. And the society in which we live today is dominated by mostly white people. That's the truth. And the system, in my opinion, and many others, I think, let's just say this is fact, is not designed for people of color to be successful in their lives and um, live the American dream. It's much more difficult. And I think the whole concept of avoiding it, ignoring it, and ignorance is not going to get us anywhere. And it's so tragic what happened to George Floyd. And he died on the ground, too, which I think just there's so much symbolism in that. Um, It's just that it is a time when we all can stop ignoring it. Just stop it. Yeah, I took a breath. Sorry. It's time to take that breath and stop ignoring it. Stop ignoring it. And I will tell you, in my life, I have had many people tell me that I should not think about the race thing, or you're not one of them, or, you know, there's no need to focus on that as if it doesn't exist. It does exist. Many people may not feel it, but I feel it. I feel it every time I'm walking down the street in the dark and there's cops around, or I mean, basically that's the number one thing, or if I'm gonna get pulled over by a cop, you know, and I have had, I've got pulled over once for speeding. Okay, I'm a normal person, but it was in Jacksonville and Jacksonville's very different than here in Tampa. And I was, I was concerned. I was very careful. I'm going to move my hands here. I'm going to do this. Where do you want me to, you know, my, my registrations over here, my glove box, is it okay? All those things. I don't think uh, white parents have to teach their white children. Well, I talked about this on the show. It is Cooper right now has just gotten his, you know, he's 16 now. Mm-hmm. And um, the conversation that him and um, my husband and I had was, one of the things about white privilege is that we don't have to teach Cooper to put his hands on yeah. the wheel when he's pulled over and make sure, like, of course, we teach respect, but we don't have to make it specific to when you get pulled over. Right. So we have had conversations within our family about what is going on right now because we have to see how in our own lives, how that is so vastly different, that, that, that your father has a concern about you and says to come 
straight home. Yeah. So my dad always says, go straight home. Even when I lived, you know, I'm from Iowa, which is surprising <laughs> to a lot of people. Yeah. But, um, you know, I grew up two miles above the Mason-Dixon line, mm-hmm. I mean, right above Missouri there. But my dad would always say, come straight home. And I would get annoyed sometimes. I'm like, come on. Especially when I first started driving. And I was like, I'm going to take the long way home because I just want to drive, you know? It was so exciting. But I have such a different appreciation for him, both of my parents, now, at this age. Um, You know, my dad, I have young parents. I mean, my dad was in high school in the late 70s. So was my mom. And it wasn't safe for my dad to be out after dark in Iowa Mm. in 1976. So he grew up with that concern, a legitimate concern for his life and his family, his big family. And he raised me to understand that I will be perceived as a black man, whether I'm biracial or not, which I fully acknowledge I'm biracial. I'm not just black, I'm white too, because I love my mom and my white family. Um, But that's the perception. And through the years, oh, I should also mention that history needs to be reviewed remembered, discussed. So my parents got married in 1980. A cross was burned in my grandparents' yard in Iowa. Actually, wow. Illinois, I think. Um, this, the struggles that they had to go, to, to go through as an interracial couple, which was not even legal in this country until, I think, what, the 70s? Mm-hmm. Um, the information that was sent to my mom in the mail once she, you know, people realized that she was being, that she was pregnant about having a biracial kid and how awful it was for society and how we would all be mentally, you know, that was a real thing not too long ago. So I was aware then, and my dad always says, be aware, be aware, be aware. And I was like, okay, dad, you're just being paranoid, you know? And as I've gotten older, unfortunately, in 2020, even today, I am seeing why he was concerned more and more. And every parent worries about their kid. I understand that. I'm not saying that doesn't exist, but that burden of unnecessary worry is taxing on people. And it's sad to me, but he was right. Yeah. Well, um, shit. (laughs) That um, hit me really hard to hear. And um, one of the themes that I keep saying throughout having these conversations are we, I, as a white woman, need to listen more and um, need to have a a full understanding. I I can't remember which day it was, but I was talking about um, generational trauma and how this when somebody mentions that they have no understanding, it's really all I need to hear to not listen anymore, to completely check out. But it is so common to hear that, right? Like, why does it have to be violent? Why does it, why does there have to be looting? Nobody wants that. I mean, that's not what anybody wants in the world, but these things need to get to this level for all of us to be able to hear what has been going on for centuries. This is not new. This should not surprise people. 
And everybody that is surprised, like Laferne said yesterday, she's like, how could you be surprised? Yeah. I do think we're making an impact. When I say we, I mean, not me, but as a, as a world, us, I'm thankful that this is happening. I don't care how anybody interprets that. Yeah, I think it's, um, you know, like before we started this, we were just having a chat and I think that it is a moment that is so important and we cannot waste it. We cannot waste this moment. Uh, there are a lot of forces uh, politically going on right now, uh, an uh, uprising or reignition of ignorance, uh, hatred, unnecessary um, fear. And I think this is a time for all of us to, as, as I said in my little video, which I didn't even think would honestly have that big of an impact, but you st it starts with yourself. You've got to check yourself. Start there. And that, that requires getting quiet. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, that, that wonderful saying of be still and know. Oh, yeah. And it's scary. It's, it's really scary to, for a lot of people, it was scary for me when I first started to just really uh, go there. Why do I have these feelings? Why do I have these fears? Why do I have these prejudices? Why do I have, why do these people not like me? You know, uh, those are things that you need to process and deal with. And um, it's not, it's not an, e there's no easy way to do it, but if you don't do it, it'll just simmer and it'll affect every single thing you're doing in your life. And, you know, just regarding the, the writers, I shouldn't even say that, let's start with the protesters. It's mostly protesters. There's been some riots. There's a rage. I'm enraged. I am enraged that in 2020, after all that this country has been through, we're still seeing the same type of oppression, uh, discrimination, the cycle of, of the systematic uh, keep you in your place order. We're still seeing that in every facet of our lives. And they have a right to be angry. People, everybody has a right to be angry, but um, you know, how we express that, I, I just think uh, some of us have a platform where we can be nice and tidy and talk about what's going on. But you know, there's a, a little black boy here in Tampa, I'm sure right now, who's watching what's going on on, t on TV, wondering what the hell, Yeah. How, yeah. what does this have to do with me? You know, and those are the, the things, especially when people say, you know, to me, I've had, heard, you know, you're not one of them or whatever. We're, we are all them. And there's nothing more uh, aggravating to me than the expectations that we put on people based on their race and their socioeconomic status, we mean lower class, all that crap. It's unnecessary. That person is a beautiful human being who should have every opportunity that we did and we do to utilize their talents and gifts to live the best life and encourage others and all that type of thing. It's, um, and you know, I, I haven't heard anybody say this yet, but uh, every time you protest and you get arrested or you break a window and get arrested and all that crap, guess what? You don't get to vote. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. So that's where I, that's where, right. that's where, yeah, that's where I see the problem is that, you know, we're just 
picking off more people like, okay, you know, your voice doesn't matter anymore. You know, those are things to think about as we organize and figure out how we can make a change. Um, I'm, I am so encouraged though, Sharon. I'm so encouraged. Uh, I've reached out to a lot of my black friends <laughs> and, um, and they've been reaching out to me because we're, we're talking about what's going on. And the one thing that I try to instill in the conversations I have is that there's no way that this is how it's supposed to be. And we don't have to accept it. We don't. No, no. And we, um, we, have to, we have to actually go through the mess to have the healing. You know, it is supposed to be messy right now. Um, it is messy right now. Um, I want to uh, make mention of, <clears throat> I posted today about corporations and how we all need to do better. This is, you know, the doctor whisperer is a business. I own two companies, a media company. Um, and I have gotten horrible, horrible messages from friends and colleagues about how this is not being discussed mm -hmm. inside of a corporation. If you have uh, people of color within your organizations, you need to have a conversation and ask somebody how they're feeling and how they're doing. Um, because it is all about this, this movement, right? Like keeping it down. Don't talk about it. It's too complicated. I got to be on brand. Don't want to make, you know, anybody uncomfortable. Yeah. But that's really like the, you watch those brands that have come out and done something and said something, and you will watch a successful company that will live forever. Yeah. Too many people have said nothing. And um, I say a lot about, I have empathy for people that don't speak out about mental health. Mm alcoholism, addiction, overdoses. I have a lot of empathy for that. I have zero here. So, you know, I've been joking around with my black friends and saying like, uh, you know, if I cared what people thought, I'd probably spend a lot of time thinking that, you know, oh, Sharon's bringing out all her black friends. Well, yes, I am. And thank you. Well, you're welcome. Um, and you know, it's important to me that, that people get to hear you, Preston. Well, thank you. And, and I think we all need to be heard, as I said in the beginning, and it is nice to have the opportunity where people actually are, are looking to hear from you as well. Because as you mentioned, you know, we all know when you at the dinner table, certain things you're not supposed to talk about. You're not supposed to talk about politics. You're not supposed to talk about money. You're not supposed to talk about racial issues because those are just controversial. Don't come to my table then. <laughs> right. Or, or my family either. Right. Yeah. But racism is not controversial. Right. It's wrong. It's wrong. It is absolutely wrong. It is inhumane. It is uh, a and problem addressed. And it's taught. And it's a hundred percent. Was that um, South Pacific, you know, the old, the Broadway, that song, you've got to be carefully taught. I think that's the song. And it talks about how you're taught to hate. And that's where, again, if you go back and check yourself and say, why do I have these feelings? If you happen to have those feelings, why? What are you afraid of? Yeah. I personally that? believe the biggest fear um, that is behind the stereotype of the black man, for example, is that the collective power of all the oppression that black people have faced in this country, if we 
were able to use that power to make a difference, it would be overwhelming. Mm. Overwhelming. And that's what I just try to remind my Black brothers and sisters is that we do have power and that power cannot be snuffed out. It was given to us by God. All of us have the power, but I'm just saying like, it's, it's something that we can't forget when we're on the ground with a knee on our neck. We all, um, well, the good thing about the internet today, Preston, is that everybody's going to get exposed. Yeah. And nobody can hide. And like you just mentioned corporations, I love seeing, you know, the mission statements or the, the things that people are coming out and saying, but I saw a great post today on Facebook saying, okay, well, for you companies that have done that, show me your board of directors. Yeah. What do they look like? That's real talk. That's real talk. That's what, that's the hashtag for this show. Most days, my friend, that's yeah. real talk. And that is real talk. So p- companies need to start thinking about that. They should have been thinking about it a long time ago, but I, I think especially in certain industries, I mean, I'm in the banking industry. It's very uh, white male driven. Uh, very few female leaders, uh, presidents or executives, and certainly not that many people of color. Why? Well, it is a very good question to ask yourself today, everybody. Why? And, you know, how this started and how this conversation came to be today, Preston, about being more introspective. This is the time to um, ask those questions to yourself and then have those conversations with, with colleagues and friends and leaders, true leaders, that can make a difference. Yeah. You know, um, when you are willing to do the right thing, I can promise you the right thing will continue to happen. But when you, when you continue to hide from it, it's only going to bubble to the surface. And we've, we've been able to witness that full force here. We're very blessed to have great leaders like Jane Castor. It's only one reason you'd ever get my ass Tampa. I've said that before. And I'm still not coming. I'm very happy here in Pinellas County. But that said, and I want to, I'm going to keep talking about this and, you know, because it's not a good idea. All right. Um, I started with the 75 things I can do. And Mm -hmm. I want to tell you that I started on Monday. Today is Thursday. I'm still on number one because um, I was told from the police department locally that they do not have body cams. This is the Largo Police Department. Um, that they don't have the body cams, but that they do have A, B, C, and D. And they were very responsive. And now it's been two days of me asking if you could tell me why. Mm-hmm. Don't just tell me, don't tell me what, tell me why. And then we can move on to the next step. But we all have to have those hard conversations of why. Why is it that way? There's, there's no like accusation. We're all going to learn and we're all going to grow together. We're all going to get better together. I hope. <laughs> I believe we will. I and believe like, too. You know, I share with you on the phone or on our text uh, recently that I want to live to see that day. Yeah, me too. I don't, I don't want to be a victim of some misguided hate or rage. I don't. I think that we can... Um, we can all look through the lens of love like Alex Harris talked about and sang about in his song on Friday on the show. 
if we all look through that lens of love and if we all continue to listen to each other and, and ask, I implore you to ask your fellow friends of color how they're doing and to talk about it in business, in personal, you know, we all have to, we all have to get a little more vulnerable, right, Preston? Like 100%. you feel vulnerable. A hundred percent. There's, there's, it's the only way out. That is the only way out. Well, I love you. Love you, Sharon. And I'm so grateful that you were here with me today. I feel every day that I get to talk about this, I am, I feel better myself. That's just a little selfish piece for me is that I'm not ignoring that this conversation has to continue. So I'm so grateful that you said yes when I asked you, even though I was just reaching out to see how you were doing. (laughs) It is my true pleasure. Thank you so much. And you just keep doing what you're doing. Thank you, my friend. Hey, so I just wanted to jump in after that great interview with Preston. Isn't he fantastic? So grateful to have him in my life. So I had mentioned that I hadn't heard back yet from the local police department, but when I was done recording, I did get a response and I wanted to share it with you. Um, The decision, that decision is made. So I'm talking about um, having the body cams on the police that is in my local community. So that decision, when I asked why, because I was told that we don't have that here. And now I have asked why, and this is the answer I'm getting. That decision is made by the chief of police with input from his senior command staff. There are many factors that go into this decision to include training, data storage, cost, etc. The chief and his staff routinely reviewed department policies and practices in an attempt to improve our service in the community. We have been a state and nationally accredited police agency since July of 1988 and are recognized as following best practices. I find that interesting. I'm not questioning any of that. I'm just questioning um, whether or not we have body cams on our local police department. So thank you. Just wanted to share that with you. I'm grateful that I got a response. Now I have to go to the next step. Thanks.